Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Amazing grace, I'll never get tired of talking about it. I'll never get tired of thinking about God's amazing grace that's in our life. Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to be reading verses 25 through 37. If you've got a phone or a tablet or however you get your your uh, scripture, that's how I want you to turn to, and we're going to stand in just a minute. But as I began to think about this week and where God wanted me to go, began, and I don't watch the news a lot, I, I'm not a news watcher, uh, but the RNC was on this week, and so I did watch a little bit of that. Um, and I began to think of the state of our country, the state of our nation, and as I began thinking of that, this passage came to mind, and the uh, Lord spoke to me about trying to preach through it, and so we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan this morning, and what it means to be a Good Samaritan. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 10, we're going to stand and read in honor of God's Word, verses 25 through 37. The Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? You're a lawyer. What does the law say? And the man answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. Do this, and thou shalt live. But the man, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered, said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he had, was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he looked out, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatever thou spendest more than this, when I come again, I'll repay it. So basically he said, put it on my tab. I'm going to take care of this guy. Which now all of these thinkest, I'm sorry, which now of these three thinkest thou was a neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And the man said, he that showed mercy on him. And then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Father, I pray your blessing on this reading. I pray that you'll help me as I take these thoughts that you've given me and talk to our church family about it. And we just thank you for all that you've done in your name we pray. Amen. As I begin, you can be seated, as I began looking at this passage of Scripture, I saw three different people represented in this passage. I saw the first group was the ones that were in need of mercy. I saw the second group who was withholding compassion. And then there was a third one who demonstrated mercy and compassion. And so we're going to look at these three men as a way of introduction. And I'm going to spend a long time on my introduction, normally I don't. And then we'll wrap this up in an application at the very end with three points that we can think of. 
But I want to ask yourself, have you ever been in need? Has there ever been a time where you went to someone and you said, hey, I can't do this. I need your help. Or maybe you were playing a sport and you had to go to a coach and you had to say, I don't understand this concept. I need you to explain it more. I need something more from you. And as we begin thinking about our need as a human being physically, I want us to also apply that to our spiritual life as well and our spiritual need. And so the first man that we see here is a man in need of compassion and mercy. And we see that this man has absolutely nothing to offer. In verse 30, it says that, and Jesus answered, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. So we see this man who was on a journey to go to a place and he was robbed and he was hurt and he was fell in a time of moment where he was stripped of everything. Something was taken from this man. And the things that were taken were physical things. They were stripped from him and there was nothing there and he had nothing to offer. When I studied that, I began looking at it. I began to see sort of a picture of the devil. And how the devil will come along our life as we're on our journey. As we're going through life and we're going from point A to point B. And the devil comes and the Bible says that he comes to try to steal and kill and destroy us. And I see this picture here of this man who was going down and these thieves come and they try to steal and kill and destroy this man. And this man had absolutely nothing to offer the three groups of people that came to him. He couldn't offer them money. He couldn't offer them satisfaction in any way, shape, or form. And as I began to think of my life and I began to think of me as a five-year-old boy who had absolutely nothing to offer Jesus... He came to me and he said, as a five-year-old boy, you don't have anything to offer me, but I'm going to give you eternal life. And I began to think of the times in my life where even as a 31-year-old man, I have nothing to offer Jesus. I'm a sinful, horrible person. But yet God says, I need people to love people. I need people to go out and so this man had nothing to offer we have nothing to offer yet Jesus comes to bring us life abundantly the Bible says that God is love even when we did not know love when there was no love in our heart and we did not know him it says that he loved us for God so loved the world the Bible says in first John that God is love and if you have love the only way you can know love is by knowing God so we have nothing to offer God, yet he still shows us mercy and compassion. Man, that's amazing to think about how we, we relate this to our kids. Our kids don't offer us anything. Our kids can't offer us money. They, don't, they get their money from us. Our kids can't offer us well-being. We give the well-being to, those, to our kids, and yet we show love to our kids. We show mercy to our kids. We show compassion to our kids. And God says that's what he does for us. We have nothing to offer him. This man had nothing to offer these people. And then we look at the second part of this man that we see that he is hurt. In verse 30 it says that he was stripped of his raiment. And they wounded him and they departed leaving him half dead. They tried to kill the man and they left him hurting. And when I saw that I began to think that 
There's people that are around us that are left for half dead physically, but also emotionally. And hurt comes in many, many forms of ways. Hurt can come in an emotional hurt. Hurt can come in a social hurt. It can come in a spiritual hurting or a physical hurting. We all hurt in different ways. And in our life, we see that these three men came to this man and they saw him hurting physically. But I want to say there was a hurt that was more so than just the physical there. You see, when we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, we're able to see people. We're able to see their hurting. We're able to see their pain that they're in. And God gives us the wisdom and the insight and the discernment to help those people because we're all coming in contact with people every single day of our life. Whether it be at school, at work, at the gas station, no matter where we go, we're seeing people. And so we need to ask ourselves, God, am I discerning the hurt in the people around me? Am I seeing the hurting in the people around me? You turn on news, you'll see the hurt. We don't watch the news in my house for several different reasons, but we were out at a restaurant, I think, yesterday. We were Actually, we went to Kannapolis. I had to do some marriage counseling. We were hanging out with a friend and uh, went to one of my favorite restaurants in Salisbury, Hendricks Barbecue. It's a fantastic barbecue restaurant. If you're ever have, traveling down Highway 70, it's right there on the left. There's actually two of them. But we went to it and we're sitting there and we were waiting for our breakfast to come. And Brody sits there and he goes, Dad, why are they burning the American flag? He hadn't seen any of this. He doesn't know really anything that's going on. He said, Dad... Why did they just throw a paint can against that, that room? And I said, Brody, these people are hurting. These people are searching for something. And the only thing they can think to do is to lash out in hate. To lash out in evil. To lash out in destroying something. I said, we have an opportunity to talk to these people when we get this opportunity. To tell them, hey, you don't have to hurt. There's a savior that has come to redeem the world and the hurt that you're feeling emotionally or physically or spiritually, God is able to redeem that. And so we see that this man was in need. He had nothing to offer and he was hurt. And then we see that he was ignored. He see that we, there's people who were withholding compassion. He was ignored by the religious people. The first person that ignored him was the priest. It said in verse 31, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, Jesus is the ultimate high priest. And the priest in Jesus' days were viewed as the representation. And they were highly respected, highly honored people in the Jewish society. They were the ones that were the direct descendants of Aaron. And in Jesus' day, the priests prided themselves on being separated from the world. They were clean. They were the ones that did not touch anything that was unclean. They were the ones that brought the sacrifices. And yet when Jesus came into the world, he said this. He said that many of the priests and the religious people of his days were whitewashed tombs. People who appeared to be clean and had everything together on the outside, but on the inside were full of impurity and death. And we begin to see some people maybe in our lives that maybe fit this, this category of people who sometimes think they're holier than thou. And they wanted to maintain an external appearance of being clean. But yet in their heart, they lacked love. 
They were full of pride and they, they could care less about the actual people. And it said as the priest came down the way, he saw the man and went to the other side of the street because someone may be watching him. And what happens if I'm a priest and someone sees me touching this unclean thing? I can't get near him. I'm a priest. I'm God's prophet. I've got to stay away from this guy. So I'm going to go on the other side of the street and go around him and sort of maybe even look my head the other way so I, I feel better about myself. As I began thinking of that, as I began studying that, I began thinking of my own life and how I've neglected people in my day and how sometimes I'll look the other way when I see someone living in sin or a drunk or, or a prostitute or someone who maybe needs help. I sort of look the other way. And th those words came back to my mind of whitewashed tombs. Having our suit on and our tie and looking nice. And yet sometimes on the inside, we're living in ways that wouldn't honor God. So I want to challenge this church. Are we a priesthood? And the second one it says is the Levi. Verse 32. And likewise, the Levi who was at the place came and this guy actually looked on him. And he passed by on the other side. Now, the Levites were also ministers to the temple. They weren't direct descendants of Aaron, but they were the ones who also helped in the temple. And Jesus was showing that these men here, these Levites, work and do things that are good. They prepare the sacrifices and they intercede for the lost and they prepare the sacrifices for the priest to come in and to take those sacrifices. And Jesus was showing an example here that simply doing the work of God means nothing unless you have love for your neighbor. Simply doing good things doesn't mean anything unless we're loving the people around us. God said that he desires mercy, not sacrifice. And how often do we fail in that mercy in our life? God looks at our heart. We must learn not to judge by the external appearances. How many times in my life have I judged someone by the smell and, and in, in Bible college when, when I thought myself more highly than other people? When I thought myself as falling into the sin of pride and falling into the sin of selfishness, how many times was I a priest or a Levi who had the means to save this man but yet walked on by him. They had the means. They had the opportunity. These were pretty wealthy people. The priests and the Levites. They were taken care of. And yet. They walked on by. They said it's not worth my time. To stop. And worry about this man. And then Jesus goes on to this third example. And I love the parables that Jesus gives. Because he's so down to earth. When he gives these parables. And he says, there's a man called the Samaritan neighbor. And he took pity on this man. Verse 33 says, and he came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, I want you to understand what the Samaritans were. The Samaritans were the half breed. They were half Jews, half Gentiles. They had no place in the world. The Jews wouldn't accept them because they weren't clean. The Gentiles wouldn't accept them because they were part Jewish. So they had their own community where only they were at. And if this would have been a Samaritan man laying on the ground, 
And the Jewish man who was beat up and was left half dead would have walked by the Samaritan. He wouldn't have touched him. He wouldn't have extended even a hand out. He wouldn't have even reached in his wallet and threw a dollar bill on him. He would have walked on by him, stubbed his nose at him, and kept on walking. But the Samaritan man walked by the man that he knew would have rejected him. He knew that would have had no compassion on him. And he said, I am going to take compassion on this man. I'm going to love him. Under normal circumstances, I know you would hate me. I know that you're going to be upset that a Samaritan man touched you. But I'm going to take love and mercy and compassion. The Samaritan man, we see here that he valued love. He valued love above his own personal feelings. He not only pitied him. This is what really got me because there are times where I can feel pity on someone and do nothing. I think we can all do that. We can all sort of look at someone and say, man, I, I feel sorry for that person. And that's really the extent of where it goes. But we see here that this man felt pity but then demonstrated his love by action. Are we a church that's demonstrating love by action? Are we a church that is looking for the ones that are hurting and reaching out our hand in love and showing them that we care about them? He not only pitied them, but he demonstrated his love in action. We see that the second thing is that he took care of him. He took care of him in verse 34. It said he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to the inn and took care of him. The Samaritan used his own needs. He paid for his hotel. He put him on his own donkey. He put oil and wine on him and wrapped his bandages up. He not only addressed the man's hurting immediate needs, but he looked for his future needs as well. And how often are we, and I'm really preaching this to me, guys. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad or guilty. But how often are we looking at ourselves and saying, you know what? I can throw a couple of dollars here and there and not worry about the future needs. Something Gary Jennings said years ago uh, when I first met him. He said, we're good about providing needs and necessities for the women who are seeking abortion. We're good about throwing money to a pregnancy center and, and allowing them to see that baby and, and keep that baby. He said, but what are we doing after that? Are we doing anything after to help that wife or that child or that mom who, who gives birth and now she's got a child but she can't support that child? And she doesn't have the means to provide diapers and wipes and clothes for that child. Are we reaching out and looking to the future of those needs? That's what this man did. He said, I'm not only going to give you immediate attention, I'm going to say, whatever happens, if this man needs anything else, you put it on my tab. I want him to have a full recovery. So not only did this man address the hurting of the immediate, he also followed through. Another thing that I noticed about the Samaritan man is that he didn't even know the man that had been beaten and robbed. He didn't know this guy. Remember, this Samaritan, they were in their own village they were away from everyone they had no outside contact he had no idea who this man was but yet he treated him like a brother he treated him as like a best friend you can imagine if you're walking down the street and your best friend is beat up 
and torn up and laying there half dead, you're going to do everything you can to get that man to the hospital. You're going to call 911. You're going to take your own coat off and you're going to put it on him. You're going to wrap if he's got a stab wound. You're going to stop the bleeding. You're going to do everything you can to get him to help because he's your best friend. But if it's a stranger, you may not be as uh, quickly figuring out, trying to figure out how to get this man as quick of help as you possibly can. But yet this man said, I'm going to do everything I can and I don't even know this guy. And Jesus was illustrating the idea that we are to love everyone. Our enemies, our friends, our strangers, every single person we come in contact with, we are to treat them like they're a brother. And we see here these three men and we see how Jesus illustrated it so perfectly with the person in need, the ones that would help compassion, and the ones who demonstrated mercy. And as I began studying this, there's, there's a couple of study tools that you can do, and, and one of them is to sort of take out Scripture and read it a little different. So what I did was I read this passage, and I took out the parable that Jesus said. And I just read the verses before and after, and this is what I read, verse 29. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus gives this parable, and in verse 36, Jesus responds and says, now which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him that fell among the thieves. And he said, he that showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. And as I began looking at that, and as I began studying that, this word mercy continued to show up all throughout this passage. The man had mercy. The man wanted to take care of him. Mercy. And so I began to think of the words that Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. And God turned me over to a passage in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And the Bible says, And he showed thee a man what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? And the Bible says this, But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And as I began looking at that verse, and as I began studying that I began to look at these three very simple statements and nothing big nothing deep here but three big things that really challenged me the first is this to act justly how can we be like the good Samaritan the first thing that God requires us is to act justly being just means this to show no partiality acting in righteousness and hating every form of evil in our hearts if we're going to be just and we're going to be people who love Jesus and love people, we've got to hate evil. We've got to hate every form of evil that there is. In our hearts, in our lives, in the world around us, we've got to abhor evil in our lives. And God said that the religious guys don't always act justly. They walk by the man that's hurting and they just continue to walk. They don't care about his spiritual needs. They don't care about his physical needs. They are just caring about themselves. We've got to ask ourselves, are we caring about others? Are we acting justly? These men cared about their external appearances rather than doing what was right in God's eyes. Years ago, I heard a song, a pastor in Bible college, and he was preaching and he 
said this little tune, and I had to look it up because I didn't know it. Um, I'm sure some of you may, may have heard it, may have, but it's called Do Right Till the Stars Fall. Have any of y'all ever heard that song? An opera singer, I think, sings it, but it goes, Do right till the stars fall. Do right till the stars fall. And it goes on and just says this over and over again. And I began to think, am I doing right always until the stars fall? Until God comes back and wipes away the world, am I doing right? Am I being just? Am I loving every person that I come in contact with the way that Jesus would have loved them? Because when I study the life of Jesus, I don't see him hanging out with the people in the church all the time. I don't see him hanging out in the people that were the most religious people in the city. What I see him going around is talking to the prostitutes, talking to the woman caught in the middle of an adultery, talking to the drunk on the street, talking to the ones that didn't have it all together. That's the ones that Jesus cared about. And as I began thinking of that, I began thinking, am I caring about those people? Am I acting justly to those people? We had a woman that, that reached out to us and she actually reached out to our state representative, lives in Alexander County, and didn't think to go to a church and ask a church for help. And I, when I got that email last week or so ago, I literally sat in my office and I cried because she thought that the state representative could help her before a church would. I began thinking, are we one of those Pharisees and Levi's that won't reach out to someone in their own community that needs help, that has a baby running around without diapers and wipes? When I showed up with diapers at her house, the little baby boy was running around and she said he's been without a diaper for two days. It broke my heart. She said, I've reached out to people and no one's really helped. I said, whatever you need, I want to help you. I care about you. I don't even know you, but I care about you. I care about this little boy because this little boy is a representation of Jesus. He's innocent, and yet he's living in a lifestyle that's not best. Are we acting just? Are we caring? Are we showing that love towards other people? The second thing we see here in this verse is not only to do justly, but also to love mercy. Mercy is extending favor, grace, and to love that those who don't deserve it. Man, I'm so thankful that God showed his mercy and favor and grace upon me as a five-year-old young boy who was lost and without, with, without him and living in sin, even at five years old. I realized that I needed Jesus, and he showed me that mercy. Are we showing that mercy to other people? The second part of this definition is this, to extend favor, grace, and love to those who don't deserve it and who can give nothing in return. Because mercy is not just showing love to people, but it's understanding that no matter what I do, this person can't repay it to me. No matter what God can do for me, I can never repay him for that. That's mercy and that's grace. Are we showing that type of mercy and are we showing that type of grace in other people's lives we must love mercy and sometimes that means rejecting who we are this Samaritan man had every right to walk past this Jewish man he had been treated like poop 
for lack of a better word. His entire life, everyone rejected him. Everyone didn't care about him. No one could care less what happened to this Samaritan man. And when he walked by this Jewish person who had treated him before, I guarantee you, badly, said, I'm going to show him mercy. The Samaritan neighbor in this parable seemed to extend mercy to his Jewish neighbor, and he did not withhold any of his possessions, any of his time that this man needed, because he loved mercy more than anything else in his life. The priest and the Levite walked by and turned their head and kept on walking, but this man, it says that he had compassion, and he stopped and showed mercy. The last thing here is to walk humbly with your God. To walk in mercy, grace, and kindness, and love, we must walk with God. If we're going to walk in this love, if we're going to walk in this righteous living, in this living that is holy, we must walk with God. There must be an intimate understanding of who God is, an intimate relationship with you and God on a daily basis, knowing that he's your God, knowing that you must go to him about everything. As we walk with God, we must learn humility, honoring others above ourselves and considering others' needs before my own. And that's extremely hard in today's day and age because the world teaches us that whatever you want, you go did it. You go get it. Oprah's famous statement, you do you. Because you are the only person that matters in this world. But I'm pretty sure the Bible teaches us a little bit different. And God says, to save your life, you must lose it. Is what the Bible teaches. Are we honoring others above our own selves? And considering others' needs before our own? When we're humble, we keep ourselves from becoming, and this was a hard list for me to write down, because I've struggled with every single one of these things on this list at some point or another in my life, and I still struggle with them to this day. When we humble ourselves, when we seek God, it keeps us from being prideful. I can be very prideful at times. I can think that my way is always the best way. I can think that whatever I want is the best thing. I can think that I'm always right. My wife always corrects me when I'm not, and she makes me know that I'm not always right. She's a good humbling agent in my life. We need humbling agents in our life because we're not perfect. She actually makes me, when I do something wrong or when I say something that's, that's wrong or, or I say, well, this is, this is what happened, this is the truth, and maybe I'm off a little bit, she'll make me say, James... You need to say, I was wrong. And I'll say, okay. She's like, no, no, you have to actually say the words. I was wrong. I was wrong. No, what, what was that? And she makes me humble me because I can be prideful in my life. I'm a man. I'm a human. We begin to be prideful. I wrote down this. When we walk humbly with God, it, it destroys arrogance. It destroys the thought of we're better than everyone else. It destroys the thought of judgmental attitudes. When we walk with God, the judgmental part of our life begins to diminish. When we walk with God, our hypocritical part of our life begins to diminish. We don't have to always put on a show for people. 
We don't always have to appear to be perfect. The whitewashed tomb that Jesus talked about. When we walk humbly with God, it gets rid of our competitiveness. This is hard because I'm a competitive person. I want to win. I want to win at all costs. And I teach in our marriage counseling that I go through is when you argue, winning is not the goal in an argument. But yet as humans, we want to win. We're competitive. But God says when he humbles us, it goes away. And I wrote down this one down because this one I saved for last because it's the hardest for me. To walk humbly with God, it destroys your selfishness. It destroys you wanting to please you. Because when you're walking with God, he unveils this perfect plan to get your eyes off of you and onto others. Get your eyes off of yourself and onto God. And when we do that, it begins to open up an amazing amount of opportunities for us to serve him. And to be able to walk with him and to be able to help others come to know him. So as our musicians begin to come and play, as we begin to start into our invitation, I want to ask you four questions this morning. Four questions to help you understand this invitation. The first is this. As we look through this, this thought that Jesus gave us, there was a man that was in need. And at each and every point of our life, there is a time where we are in need of something specific. And that specific is not a physical help, but is a spiritual renewal in our life. It may be in our life that it's a spiritual awakening of our life. Where we don't know who Jesus is and we've never heard this story quite like this of how Jesus came and died for our sins and maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I don't know what it's like to be born again, as Jesus said. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, I want to know that excitement. I want to know that good Samaritan lifestyle of loving mercy and, and having compassion. He had it because in this illustration, it's a man who was born again, who loved Jesus and loved others more than he loved himself. So maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, you know what? I want to know that relationship with Jesus. I want you to come forward. I want you to come talk to me today. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, you know what? I have been born again. I've been saved myself for 26 years now. But this moment in Micah chapter 6 verse 8, to act justly, being just to people, loving mercy, walking humbly, those are hard thoughts. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I need a spiritual renewing of those three things. I need to act better. I need to be more just. I need to show no partiality to anyone. I need to hate every form of evil around me. Maybe it's you just need to love mercy more. You need to show that mercy more. And maybe it's you need to just be humble and walk with God and allow Him to humble us. I don't know what your need is this morning. I know that this message has touched my life in many many ways this week as I prepared it and it was hard for me to preach this and I know that God wanted me to preach it but there's areas that I'm not even perfect in on these areas and that I ask God every single day of my life allow me to walk humble with you allow me to show mercy to the people that are around me because it's hard and we have to come to him daily I love how that verse ends it says walking with humbly 
with your God. It's a daily walk. It's not just a one-time thing. So I don't know what your need is this morning, but the altars are going to be open. I'm going to pray for us. Mark's going to come and sing. Father, I want to thank you for this day. Lord, the ability for us to get up and serve you and love you, God, is just more than we can ever imagine. And I just pray, Father, that you would just allow us to be obedient to you this morning. I love these people. I love this church. I love you. And I just pray, Father, that you would help us to seek you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.